0: Hello friend, welcome back to Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel. I am your host, Neil Helligers, great to see you. I hope you came prepared for another jaunt into the Florida swamps for this week's episode. Uh, If you recall last time, Brad and Carrie had a very strange experience at an abandoned summer camp. Well, it wasn't completely abandoned. I guess it was full of chupacabras. uh, Adorable chupacabras. I am sticking with this idea in my mind that they are just so cute. the Big eyes or something like that. I don't know. So anyway, their attempt to dispose of Olivia Matheson's body failed. So on to plan B. Uh, Plan C is, yes, you, you know exactly what I'm going to say. Plan C is a word from our sponsor.
1: Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening, and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away.
0: So you've probably gleaned by now there's a certain structure to the way that we do things here at Adrenaline. Um, You know, and I I like to pull back the curtain when I can to give you a glimpse of how these shows really get made. And I have a really fun fact for you for the making of Low Life. So the show has an original theme. You hear it at the end of the episode. And a member of our audio team, the amazing Kaylin West, is the guitarist. But when it came time to record, guess what? She didn't have a slide for her guitar, so she used a vape pen. Yes, you heard that right. You heard her creative solution. And now when you're listening to the end of the episode, you'll hear that and you'll know what it was. And it's like, it's like you're there in the swamp with Kaylin and her vape pen slide guitar. Awesome, right? So yes, let's get to the episode. This is low life episode four. Enjoy.
2: Brad, honey, you need to get some sleep, huh? I said you need to get some sleep. You just nodded off there. Marlin looked up at Sparky. His portly friend slurped on an iced cafe cubano in a massive styrofoam cup. They were at Maceo's, a small lunch counter tucked behind Beach Place. In the afternoons, there were lines around the block, but Marlin and Sparky had found that it was a perfect spot on a quiet Saturday morning. Marlin pushed the croquetas around on his plate. He'd been replaying the events of the last couple days over and over again. When Sparky interrupted, he was thinking about the mysterious woman he saw at Arrowhead Day Camp. Why hadn't the Chupacabras attacked her? He'd never seen a person walk among them like that. And some of those suckers were gigantic. Could someone have bred them? And what about the glowing green room she walked into? I've lost you again. Sparky, damn it! I'm trying to think. I just need another cafecito. Can I borrow a few bucks? Man cannot run on caffeine alone. Why don't you eat some of those ham fingers? Better yet, let me take you home for a few hours of shut-eye. How long have you been awake now? Marlin did the quick math. Probably about 26 hours. I'm thinking about that room in the cafeteria, Marlin said. What glows green? You know, like in science. In real life science? Nothing. What about in science fiction or whatever? You know I don't read that shit. Green glowing light. Let me see. Green lantern? That's more out of space stuff, though. Ooh, maybe it's the Tommyknockers. What's a Tommyknocker? It's just some old book, Sparky said. Look, you know I love a good conspiracy, and you've got a humdinger here. That doesn't mean you don't need sleep, though. Know what I did after that sea monster bit the head off my wahoo? I went home and got some sleep. Remember the time I found a microchip in my big bacon classic? Did I stay up for 36 hours stressing about it, or did I go to bed? I went to fucking bed. Why can't you be more like Carrie? She understood that. Sparky had a point. After they dumped Olivia Matheson's corpse into the Atlantic, Carrie was insistent that she go home and sleep. Sparky convinced her to see a doctor first. She'd taken a nasty fall through the cafeteria roof, and her wrist looked bad. They told the hospital staff they'd been camping. She'd gotten up to pee in the middle of the night, tripped, and fell down a hill. Marlin and Sparky waited in reception until Carrie emerged sporting a neon pink cast. She had a dislocated wrist and a hairline fracture of the ulna. Carrie was silent most of the ride home. She seemed sore at Marlin for dragging her into this whole mess. When they dropped her off, he promised to call if he learned anything. She told him it might be best if they limited their contact. Marlin couldn't help but feel a little rejected. Oh, well, at least he had Sparky to bounce ideas off. What if we go back to Arrowhead? Marlin asked, taking a bite out of his sandwich. That chupacabra woman's probably long gone. Maybe we can get into that room, see what she's got going on. Brad, going back there is a bonehead move. Don't push your luck. A familiar voice called out across the room. Marlin. Leroy strolled toward Marlin and Sparky. What the hell are you doing up before 10 a.m., Leroy said? Must have been some night. Nope, completely normal night, Marlin said. I stayed in and did a jigsaw puzzle. Sparky almost choked on his coffee. Oh, word? Leroy said. I'm just grabbing a coffee before I open the shop. I need to stop by later, Marlin said. I'm just about out of spray. Don't bother. My source flaked again. Shit, man, I have two jobs booked this afternoon. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. One of the distro houses? Get the official stuff. You know I can't do that. Marlin's exterminator license had lapsed six months ago. That's when he started buying bootleg spray from Leroy. Well, I don't know what to tell you, Leroy said. Have you talked to your contact? Any idea how long it'll be? They can't get any deliveries out for at least another week. I can pick it up, but I won't have time until Thursday at the earliest. Thursday? Christ. Where is it? I'll go right now. I'm not giving up my source. Marlin ran his fingers through his hair. Leroy, come on. If I don't have spray, I can't work. I'm going to go broke. It'll be good for you to have it sooner, right? I can't be the only guy asking. Let me go pick it up for you. Leroy sighed. You promise you can keep this to yourself? One hundred percent. Leroy looked at Sparky. Come on, like anyone I know gets a flying shit about any of this. Leroy laughed. All right. Is this woman named Wilma Novak. She lives down by Big Cypress, has a place deep in the Everglades she calls the Outpost. I'll let her know you're coming. Give yourself some extra time because she's going to go off about an environment apocalypse. She's a nut. What kind of nut? Marlin asked. Hippy dippy to the freaky deaky extreme. Won't kill a spider. Won't shop at Walmart. Doesn't pay taxes. You'd think she was planning a coup, but I'm sure she hates guns too. And yet she sells chupacabra spray. She gets that the population needs to be regulated but she's got some weird connection to these animals, thinks they don't deserve to die in a chemical bath. She says the stuff the chain guys use is too destructive, so she has to offer an au natural alternative. Wait, the spray you've been selling me isn't chemicals? Leroy laughed. Hey, you never noticed a difference. This Welma, she a tiny Asian woman with long dark hair? Leroy laughed, not Asian. And definitely not tiny. Why? No reason. Thought maybe she was someone I met last night. You got some strange women crashing your puzzle night? I met her before that. At the puzzle store. Shit, Brad Marlin, puzzle master. You contain multitudes. Here, let me give you her info. Leroy wrote the number on a napkin and slid it across the counter. Sparky snatched it up. Tamara, Marlon, today you need to rest.
3: Carrie couldn't sleep. Her left wrist was in a cast and her entire side throbbed. The late morning sun blasted through the Venetian blinds. She considered duct taping a blanket over the window, but it was too big a project. Lying here wasn't doing her any good. Carrie pulled herself out of bed, stretched, and walked into the hallway. She stopped short outside her grandfather's cluttered office. Carrie knelt beside the footlocker she'd caught Olivia Matheson rummaging through the night before. She popped it open, revealing stacks of manila folders, each stamped with the word Gusto on the top right corner. She pulled out a folder labeled 1953. Each document in the folder was filled with blocks of gibberish text. The letters were familiar, but none of the words made sense. It looked like some old-fashioned form of encryption. She stuffed the file back into the box and grabbed another. More documents, filled with what looked like chemical formulas. Everything seemed to be in milligrams, like they were tracking dosages for something. The words on these pages were in the same gibberish as the last folder. She stood up. This was going to be too much work. She wanted to scream. She felt like tearing her grandfather's bingo card collage off the wall. How was that art? Maybe she should visit him in the retirement home and see if he could shed some light on what was in the boxes. But first, coffee, she said to herself. She began brewing a pot. The smell made her feel better, getting her back into her routine. Maybe an hour or so of poking around online would be a good reset. She waded through the wreckage of the previous night's battle and scooped up her laptop— The hard shell was cracked, but that was minor compared to the shattered screen inside. Had she known it was going to be smashed over a were-gator's head, she would have backed it up beforehand. So, there'd be no web browsing today. But there was always the newspaper. She opened the front door to find a freshly bagged sun sentinel resting in the front yard. She stepped toward it. Hello? Excuse me, miss? A young man slammed the door of a Ford Escort. He was in his early 20s. Latinx. He wore a short sleeve button-down tucked into his khaki pants. Neck tattoos and heavily inked arms contrasted with his clean-cut attire. Whatever he wanted, it couldn't be good. Yes? I'm wondering if you could help me out, he said, walking across the lawn toward her. I really need to get back inside. I came out for the paper. I won't bother you for long. I promise. I'm kind of freaking out here. Okay, Carrie said. What is it? I'm trying to find my friend. She's missing. Carrie felt a knot forming in her stomach. Lots of people go missing, she thought. Or maybe his friend was a cat or a dog. You might have heard her name on the news, he said. Olivia Matheson? I I think she was hanging around this neighborhood the other day. Your house in particular. A chill ran up Carrie's spine. I'm really sorry. I wish I could help, but I haven't seen her, she said. She hoped that she was coming off as polite and not like she was hiding something. I'm not accusing you of anything, he said. I... can we please talk? I'm desperate. She looked into his eyes. He was clearly distraught. And if he knew Olivia, maybe the information he had could shed some light on what was going on. Okay, she said. Would you like a coffee? I just put a pot on. That sounds great. I'm Ivan. He offered her a business card. What's your name? <music> Carrie's hand shook as she poured milk into Ivan's coffee. He was still outside on the porch. She wondered if it had been smart to share her own name, but he already knew where she lived. He'd find it out if he wanted to. She looked at his business card. Ivan de la Para. Director of Outreach, Daybreak Recovery Center. She briefly considered texting Marlon to tell him that someone had come around asking about Olivia, but he'd likely come racing over and make a bad situation worse. No, she thought. She could handle this herself. Hear the man out. See if he said anything she could use. Don't say anything incriminating. Send him on his way. Me and Olivia, we met about three years ago. I was in a bad way back then. It started with coke, but heroin and meth were my thing. I come from a good family. My parents were living the American dream. I got so bad, eventually they had to cut me off. Ivan sat next to Carrie on her front steps, clutching a coffee mug in his hands, staring straight ahead as he talked. I didn't even want to kick. I got into petty crime, shoplifting, stick-ups, whatever it took to score. I never got in real trouble with the police, but I was going to end up in jail or worse. I was living out of the homeless camp at the library. There were people coming down there every day, trying to get folks sober. I was too far gone to want their help. That was before I met Olivia. She was different. She was more than kind and gentle. Just this ray of light. "'That's what everyone says about her,' Carrie said. "'On the news, I mean. Everything you've heard is true. She's the reason I got clean.' She introduced me to my boyfriend. She brought me back to my parents. She's been the angel on my shoulder ever since. Once I had my life put back together, I started volunteering alongside her. And we've become close friends. Two peas in a pod, people would say. When she started the Daybreak Center, she brought me on to help run it. That's great that you're out there making a difference. Well, I was. Without Olivia, I'm nothing. She had the brains, the vision... His smile faded, and he took another sip of coffee. So, you heard that she went missing? Uh Uh-huh. It was a couple of weeks ago. She was late to the clinic. I knew something was wrong right away. She was never, ever late. She wasn't picking up her phone. By 10 a.m., I was in panic mode. I didn't know what to do. Do I call her dad? She wasn't really getting along with him. Why didn't she get along with her father? Ivan laughed and shook his head. I don't know how those two came from the same bloodline. Olivia's been so stressed over what her father's company is doing to the Everglades. She's always been a big environmentalist. Lately, she's been hanging out with some real eco-warrior types. They've been getting her riled up about him. She was planning to go public about everything shitty her dad was doing, but she never got the chance. What did you do when you realized she was missing? Carrie asked. I went to the police. They're the ones who went to her dad. He got it on all the networks right away. Not that it did any good. There weren't any clues. She just vanished. Didn't you say you saw her the other day? Ivan nodded. That's what brings me here. It was Thursday, two days ago. I was driving around near daybreak, hanging up missing person flyers when I noticed a red-headed woman watching me from a beat-up old car. Since Olivia's gone missing, I can't tell you the number of redheads I've seen and thought were her. So I walked up to the car, and I swear to God, it was actually Olivia. I called out her name. She spooked and slammed the gas, swerving out into traffic. She almost caused a huge accident. I ran back to my car and managed to catch up to her at a stoplight a few blocks down. I'm almost positive it's her, even though I don't recognize the car. She's driving erratic as hell. I'm thinking maybe I got the wrong person, but I needed to be sure, so I followed her. She led me to right over there. Ivan pointed across the street to where his own car was parked. She was here? Carrie asked. Ivan nodded. She just sat there behind the wheel, staring at your house, like she was staking it out or something, you know? Carrie thought back to Thursday, before any of this insanity. She didn't remember two cars across the street— But why would she? It was later that night that she'd come home from an errand to find her chicken slaughtered. So what did you do? Carrie asked. At first, I watched from a few cars back. I still wasn't sure it was her. Eventually, I thought, if this really was Olivia, she needed my help. It was crazy, but I just walked up to the car and hopped in the passenger seat. Was it her? Carrie said. How did she react? I think so, yeah. She just stared at me in shock. I couldn't believe how she looked. Like she'd been doing meth for 15 years, missing teeth and everything. It didn't make sense. She'd only been gone for two weeks. Maybe it wasn't her, Carrie said. It had to be. I said, Olivia, you need to come home with me. She just shook her head and said, you don't know me, and her voice. She sounded like she was choking on glass. That's really weird, Carrie said. Ivan continued. I tried again. I told her that her father was looking for her. That the whole town was. How everyone missed her back at the center. And then something changed in her. She turned to me and told me very slowly, Do not tell anyone you saw me. No cops. No anyone. Then she opened the door and took off. Shit. I ran out after her, but she was fucking fast. She darted behind your house, into the marsh. She lost me so quickly. I thought about trying to track her, but I didn't want to trespass, and I had work at the clinic that night. Carrie was relieved. That meant he wasn't here when Eduardo got killed, which must have been a few hours after he left. Ivan took a sip of coffee. I couldn't get the encounter out of my head for the last two days, so I decided to come down today and see if I could talk to you. I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have told you all this, but I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, jeez. That's a crazy story. I wish I could help. So, I gotta ask. Do you know what she wanted in your house? I have no idea. Carrie lied. It was her grandfather's boxes. It had to be. I mean, I don't know how you're sure it was Olivia. What if she was an addict casing my house for a robbery? Maybe. But the more I look back, the more I swear it was her. You didn't have any break-ins or anything? Carrie swallowed hard. No, I didn't. But I'll be on the lookout for anyone new in the neighborhood, for sure. Can I give you my number? Carrie flashed his business card. You already did. I promise to give you a call if I see her. I'm so torn up over this, Carrie. I want to go to the cops, but she was so adamant about it. Olivia never trusted the police. What do you think I should do? Carrie knew what to tell him here. This was an easy one. I think you have to respect her wishes. If she said not to go to the police, she must have had a reason. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad I met you. You remind me a little of her. You'll really let me know if you see her? Absolutely. I'm sure she'll come back. Her voice wavered. She shouldn't have said that. Ivan smiled. Thank you for saying that. It means a lot. Carrie wanted to curl up and die. Instead... They stood up together, and Ivan gave her a great big hug. She watched him as he walked back to his car, started the engine, and pulled away. Carrie broke down in tears on her front porch.
2: Marlin jumped off old man Hanson's veranda and sprinted down the driveway, an empty spray tank in one hand, a steaming bucket of molten chupacabra in the other. It only took him 10 seconds to reach his brat, but the rain still soaked him to the bone. He tossed his gear in the back and slammed the hat shut. He rushed to the driver's side door and hopped in. Fuck! Spontaneous late afternoon rain showers were Marlin's least favorite thing about Florida. The clouds weren't even looming when he'd pulled up at Hanson's house 30 minutes earlier. Now it felt like he was caught in a monsoon. At least he was done working for the day. This job had been a gnarly one. Marlin used every last drop of his spray hosing a sucker down from a ceiling fan. He'd wasted a lot of the tank because he didn't have anyone there to help pump. Marlin had been thinking about whether he should hire a replacement for Eduardo, but how would he advertise it? Exterminator seeks apprentice? Unlikely to survive until Christmas? Must accept terrible hours, low wages, and infrequent paychecks. He was shifting the brat into reverse when his phone vibrated. Hey, Vicky, what's up? Emergency job. Call just came in. You want to take it? God damn it, I'm all out of spray. You're out? How'd that happen? Leroy's shipment didn't show up this week. Bubbles, you need to let me know when Leroy doesn't come through for you. You know he likes me. I'm sure he's got a private stash. He doesn't. I'm going to pick some up from his contact tomorrow. So I should tell this nice lady you're a no? She said Beast Begone's line was busy. I'm sure she'll just call them right back. I've got no spray and no partner, he said. I'm exhausted and I'm soaked. I understand. I'll let her know. Thanks. Can I swing by? I need to borrow some gas money to get out to... Jesus, Brad, what do you spend it on? Marlin side. Fuck it. You're right. I'll do the job. Where is it?
0: Hello, friend. This is Neil Helligers, host of Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel, and I'm here to talk to you a little bit more about the Greenlight app. And this message is, of course, sponsored by Greenlight, but I was using, our family was using the Greenlight app uh, even before the first ad in a wonderful thrilling cosmic coincidence, right? See what I did there? So again to catch you up Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. Basically the way it works is that parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids spending and saving. And you can see exactly how much money they have in their account and there's different ways to give them money. What we've been doing is on a, like a weekly allowance, a certain amount that goes into his account every week. So in order to further the conversation about money and about earning, uh, we're using Greenlight as a kind of a foundation for that conversation. Uh in other words, instead of just the allowance he gets for certain base things that he's expected to do around the house, Uh, we are also adding the chore feature, which is certain one-time payments for certain one-time jobs. For example, in our house, we're trying to encourage our son to start walking the dog more. He's old enough for it, he's responsible enough for it, and he's done it enough that he knows what to do. So he can really see that for all those extra times that he steps up and does the dog walk, he gets rewarded for that job well done. And this is the conversation. In life, when you work a little extra harder, you get a little extra compensation and you can either save that up or spend it how you like. And we're not alone in this. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's a very easy and very convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and for families to navigate life together. So sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to Greenlight.com Adrenaline. That's Greenlight.com Adrenaline to try Greenlight for free greenlight.com slash adrenaline Slash, slash 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 so thrilling right
1: i want to take a second to tell you about a podcast i think you'll really like mayday no one is prepared for disaster no one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash an earthquake or when a lone gunman decides to open fire on mayday you'll hear about the people who had to find out people whose stories deserve to be heard Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to Mayday wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Diane.
3: Frank, this isn't Diane, said James, her grandfather's nurse. It's not? No, it's your granddaughter, Carrie. Frank stared at Carrie from the recliner and smiled. Carrie waved to him. Hi, Grandpa. You're too big. What happened? This was going to be harder than she thought. She turned to James. I'll be okay. Thank you. James nodded. I'm down the hall if you need anything. Just buzz me on the intercom. Carrie was surprised at how much she liked the Shady Lane Retirement Home. It was clean and well-decorated with modern furniture. Whatever they did to keep the smell of old people at bay, it was working. As James walked her down the residence hallway, he gave out high fives. Carrie wondered if he was single. She felt guilty that she'd barely visited her grandfather since she'd moved him into Shady Lane last month. Frank hadn't taken much from the house, just some clothes and a few family photos. He'd fought and lost an argument over taking all of his boxes. Carrie finally convinced him that there wouldn't be enough space in his unit. He seemed to forget about it after the move. Her grandfather had his good and bad days. On the good ones, he was a total charmer, lucid and funny with a self-deprecating sense of humor. On the bad ones, he'd have trouble remembering where he was and he would quickly become frustrated. Carrie hoped that today would be one of the good ones. She sat down on the bed next to his recliner. How are you doing today, Grandpa? I could use a little vino. I don't, I'm not sure if that's allowed. I didn't bring any that's okay, Diane. Grandpa, I'm Carrie, your granddaughter. Oh, where's Diane? She's up in Connecticut, remember? That's where she lives. I moved down a few weeks ago. I'm staying in your house. You are? Uh Uh-huh. Where's Elliot? Elliot was Carrie's father, Frank's son. He had passed away three years ago from a heart attack. Frank had come up for the funeral. At the time. Frank was still very much together. He gave a beautiful eulogy full of regrets over the times he'd missed with his son. How he'd spent too many years traipsing the globe looking for answers, when he could have spent more time with his family. He told Carrie and her mother that he'd be in better touch. They talked about going on a trip that summer. It made her sad to think how rapidly he had declined. Now he couldn't even remember that his son was gone. He's up in Connecticut, too, Carrie told him. Oh. I wanted to ask you about something, if that's okay. Of course. It's about your boxes. My boxes? Yes, the ones in your house. Frank looked around the room. Which ones? No, not here. Back at the house and plantation. Oh, okay. Do you remember what's in them? In what? In the boxes. At your house and plantation. No. It's a lot of files... A bunch of charts and figures from the 1950s. There's some writing, but I can't make a lot of it out. It looks like it's all in code. Frank shook his head. I'm sorry, I can't help you, Diane. Where's Elliot? Carrie reached into her bag and pulled out a folder. She opened it and presented a chart to her grandfather. She watched his eyes scan back and forth over the document. It looked like it was registering with him. Please put this with the others. Keep them safe. I have more work to do. More work on what? That's classified. Grandpa, please. What are these? Put it back. Lock the door. He handed the file back to her and crossed his arms. I'd really like to learn about your files. They look important. I don't want the information to be lost after you're not here anymore. Frank sighed and looked at her with lost eyes. I... I'm already not here. I'm sorry, Grandpa, but you are here, and you must be the only one who understands your paperwork. I'll get it where it needs to go. Don't worry. I think it might be too late. Someone's been looking for it. Frank's eyes widened. Who? I don't know. It was a young woman. German? Russian? Japanese? No, just a scared girl, Carrie said. She was... Do you know anything about people turning into reptiles? Frank's face froze with fear. Who sent you? No one. I'm trying to find out what they're after. You're working for them. What? No. Working for who? Frank frantically reached for the buzzer. He slammed down on the button. Grandpa, please, Carrie said. I'm trying to help. Who are you? I'm your granddaughter, Carrie, remember? James appeared in the doorway, smiling. What's up, you two? He said. I need you to do me a favor, Frank said. I trust you. James walked into the room. Sure thing, pal. Go to my house. Destroy all my files. James glanced at Carrie, then back to Frank. Unfortunately, the supervisor doesn't let me run errands for people. I'm sure Carrie can take care of whatever you need. Carrie stood up. Yes, I can go. Frank raised his voice. No, we can't trust her. She's one of them. James laughed nervously. Uh, One of who? The Gator soldiers. If they know about me and my files, it's already too late. Everything has to be burned. Carrie stepped between Frank and James. Grandpa, if we destroy them, the information will be lost. I'm not talking to you, he shouted. He turned to James and pointed at his own forehead. We can destroy the files. I have all the information we need up here. The smile faded from James' face. Carrie couldn't blame him. This was getting pretty bizarre. She whispered to James. Just go with it. James turned to Frank. Okay, I'll take care of it for you. And call the police on her, Frank yelled. I can't do that. Just keep her away from my files. Carrie turned bright red. I'm really sorry about that. Carrie told James as he walked down the hallway toward the front desk. "'It's okay. I've heard crazier things, believe me.' James paused. "'Actually, I may not have. "'Has he ever said anything like that to you before?' "'No, nothing like that. "'What did he say? Gator soldiers?' "'Yeah, I guess someone's watching too many late-night movies.' "'He actually doesn't watch much TV.' "'If he brings it up again, can you tell him you destroyed everything?' I mean, if you want me to, sure. But I really try not to lie to them. My job depends on their trust. I'll bet he doesn't mention it again. Hopefully, next time you come, he's having a better day. He's usually pretty lucid during our Tuesday night bingo, if you want to try then. You caught him on a bad day. Let's hope so, Carrie said.
2: Marlin struggled to read house numbers through the rain splashing off the brat's windshield. It was really coming down now. His wipers worked, but barely. He added fresh blades to the mental list of repairs he needed to tackle once he came into some real money. Hopefully, this would be an in-and-out gig. He'd been on plenty of jobs where his spray had gone unused, but things always went better when he had it on hand. He noticed a line of cars parked in the street. His headlights shone on a hideous manatee-shaped mailbox with a 48 on it. A bouncing cluster of Mylar balloons read, Happy Birthday. What the shit is this shit? Marlin wondered aloud. The driveway was packed with cars. He wouldn't be able to park anywhere near the house, so he shifted the truck into reverse and found a spot in front of a neighbor's place. Marlin reached under his seat and pulled out the machete. He decided to wait a few minutes for the rain to pass. He was finally drying off, and sometimes a man needed to treat himself right. His flip phone buzzed with a text from Vicky. Are you there yet? They keep calling me. God damn it. He hopped out of the brat and slipped on the slick grass trying to hustle across the lawn. He landed hard on his side in a puddle of muck. The leather machete sheath jabbed at his thigh. He climbed to his feet and sulked the rest of the way to the porch. Marlin rang the doorbell. He unsheathed his machete and checked his reflection in the blade. He was covered in mud. The front door swung open. A nine year old boy screamed at the top of his lungs and slammed the door in Marlin's face. Marlin slid the machete back into its sheath. The door opened again. This time, a woman in her late thirties. Holding a giant goblet of red wine greeted him. Brad Marlin, at your service. You're filthy. I came straight from my day job. I'm a mud wrestler. Marlin stepped into the house. Where is the... Inside, a kid's birthday party was in full swing. At least 25 screeching kids were running amok. We had to move the party indoors because of the rain. Let me tell you, it's been a day, she said, throwing back her head and laughing a drunken laugh. She took a gulp of wine. Seriously, though, you get rid of this thing before the other parents catch on. I'll add a $20 tip. Marlin would never understand how casually some people treated the chupacabras. They were never that scary until they mauled someone you loved. Just save me a piece of cake, Marlin said, pulling his machete out again. Now, where's the sucker?
3: In a half mile, take exit 18, said the GPS lady from Carrie's phone. Carrie steered into the right lane, happy to be getting off I-95. The rain had started as she left her house, and it hadn't let up. The low visibility compounded her anxiety. She'd been a mess since leaving the retirement home a few hours earlier. All she knew was that she needed to deal with her grandfather's boxes right away. At first, she figured it would be best to destroy them. Why not? It's what Frank wanted. She could spend the evening at Office Depot shredding every last document. Problem solved. When she got back home and went into her grandfather's office, she looked for wrinkles in the plan. She still had no idea what was inside the boxes. They might contain documentation on how human DNA could merge with that of an animal. The scientist in her wasn't about to destroy that kind of knowledge. Whatever was in the boxes was important enough for were-gator Olivia Matheson to try to steal it. Was were-gator even the term she should be using? Frank had said something about gator soldiers, and he'd clearly enunciated the S at the end of the word. Gator soldiers. Plural. Could there be more out there? If so, how long until they tried again? Carrie yelped storage facilities until she found one that was in her price range. It was about 35 minutes away in Pembroke Park. It was basically the middle of nowhere. She loaded up the boxes in her VW, no small task with a cast on her wrist, and headed out for Moe's storage wonderland. She felt good about her decision, until the rain started up. Carrie guided her car around the winding exit ramp. Her phone slid from its perch and onto the passenger side floor. Shit, she muttered. She'd been meaning to get one of those magnetic phone holders. When the ramp straightened, Carrie stretched for her phone. It was just out of reach. She listened for directions from Map Lady, but couldn't understand anything. As Carrie considered pulling over, she noticed a large black SUV behind her. Not knowing where to go, Carrie took a right at the end of the ramp and drove until she saw a side street. She turned, intending to pull over, but the SUV was tailgating her. She drove on until she hit a stop sign. Carrie put her golf into park, unhooked her seatbelt, and reached down for her phone. The fall had reset the map app. She saw the SUV stopped behind her. She motioned for them to go around. The SUV didn't move. Carrie squinted, but couldn't make out the driver's features in the pouring rain. Suit yourself, idiot. She re-entered the storage facility's address into her phone. The map lady told her to turn left. Carrie followed the directions through the neighborhood until it brought her back to where she'd exited I-95. She must have taken a wrong turn off the ramp. She noticed headlights in a rearview mirror. The SUV was still behind her. That didn't make sense. She'd made multiple wrong turns, There was no way this SUV would be on the same route. She was being followed. Her thoughts turned to Alex, her ex-boyfriend. He'd just reached out yesterday by text and he'd used a Florida phone number. If he was down here, she was in trouble. She caught a glimpse of the driver as he passed under a streetlight. She couldn't make out a face, but the man was much larger than Alex. It wasn't him. She was relieved until it dawned on her that the unknown was so much worse.
2: Marlin answered on the first ring. Carrie, what's up? I think... I think someone is following me. What do you mean? I'm down in Pembroke Park. I was taking my grandfather's boxes to a storage facility, but then I noticed this SUV. It's making all the same turns I am. I'm kind of freaking out. What if they're after the boxes? What do you mean, they? We took care of the... Marlin's voice softened to a whisper. Person who wanted them. I know, but what if there's more of them out there? More gator ladies? I don't know, or just bad people. Can you come meet me somewhere? Of course. Find a mall or a grocery store or something. They won't try anything in public. Let me know where you end up. I can be out there and... Carrie heard a woman's angry voice in the background. Excuse me, can you get off the phone, please? Carrie listened in on the ensuing conversation. Sorry, ma'am, work call. You show up late, you don't have any equipment, now I find you down here on the phone. Have you even found that thing? He's around. I almost had him. Can you close the door, please? He's got to be... A loud scream. Oh, crap, Marlin yelled. Carrie spoke into the receiver. Brad, what's going on? Where are you? No answer. She heard a shuffling noise and then a thump. A group of screaming children. Marlin's voice again. Everyone just stay calm. Nobody move. A child's yelp, then a burst of crying. Marlin came back. Carrie, I got to go. The thing bit a kid. Sit tight the phone went dead. Marlin called Carrie as soon as he hit the road. Sorry, he said. Nightmare job. Long story short, the birthday boy got bit and I had to stomp a sucker with my flip flop. Is he okay? Nope, dead. There was silence on Carrie's end of the line. Oh, the kid, he corrected. He'll be fine. It just nipped him. His mom was furious, though. Threatened to call the city on me for operating without any spray. Vicky's gonna have to try to smooth things over with her tomorrow. Anyway, enough about me. You still have your tail? I think so. I found a Publix in Hallandale Beach. I saw him pull into the parking lot behind me, but I lost track of him. I'm pretty shaken up, though. It's like I can feel him watching me. I know that Publix, I can be there in 20 minutes. Thank you. Do me a favor, can you run in and grab me some fried chicken? I haven't eaten since breakfast. You wouldn't think it, but theirs is the best around. I don't want to do that. I'll pay you back. Get yourself something too, within reason. Brad, I'm terrified. He could hurt me. I'm not going to go in and get you fried chicken. Okay, fair point. Any idea who this guy might be? Carrie filled him in as he drove. She told him about visiting her grandfather. How he wanted the folders to be destroyed so that the Gator soldiers would never find them. Then, she filled him in on Ivan's visit. She told him that Ivan had caught Olivia staking out Carrie's house. Wow. What do you think that means? Marlin asked. Was Olivia working for someone? It sure sounds possible, Carrie said. Ivan mentioned Olivia was hanging out with some really intense environmentalists. Maybe that has something to do with it. You don't say. My buddy Leroy told me that he gets his knockoff sucker spray from some crazy eco-freak. That can't be a coincidence, can it? It could be. Seems like there's a lot of people down here who care about Listen, I'm already going out to the tree-huggers' camp tomorrow. Do you want to come help me sniff out what's going on? Let's get through tonight first. How far away are you? I'm pulling in now. I'll see you in a minute. Marlin rolled into the Publix parking lot. Fortunately, the rain hadn't put a damper on people's shopping plans. The lot was full of customers. Carrie's golf was right where she told him it would be, Road G next to the cart return. He scanned the area for a suspicious black SUV but couldn't find one. Marlin parked a few spaces over and walked to Carrie's car. It was bursting with cardboard boxes. She lowered the window as he approached. Let me drive, he said. Don't fight me on that. I've been in high-speed pursuits before. If things get hairy, you want Brad Marlin behind the wheel. Oh, this is an automatic, right? She opened her door and stepped out. Yes, it's an automatic. He could have sworn he saw a smirk on her face as she walked to the passenger side. I can drive both, you know, he said. It's just important to know what I'm dealing with. Uh Uh-huh. They both got in the car. Marlin adjusted the seat and mirrors. You think you'll be able to shake him? Carrie asked. I've got a few tricks up my sleeve. Marlin started the engine and pulled the golf out of its spot. Kairi looked through the rear windshield as Marlin steered them toward a parking lot exit. I think I see him, she said. Marlin checked the rear view. Sure enough, there was a black SUV turning into the lane behind them. I'm gonna drive real natural for now. There's a spot nearby where I should be able to shake him. Marlin glanced back at their cargo. I can take these boxes off your hands. I might be able to crack the codes, suss out what's so special in there. I'd rather keep them in storage somewhere out of town. I need to know that they're secure. Okay, sure. Would I be able to get a key, too? If I have access, maybe I... Can we please just focus on the guy following me? I mean, even if we manage to lose him, even if we get the stuff to a storage, that doesn't mean he's going to stop coming after me, right? She had a point. What if we end this right now, he asked. How? they'd reached a quiet residential street. Marlin pulled the car over to the shoulder. The SUV slowed to a stop behind them. Marlin slid his machete from the sheath. Panic washed over Carrie's face. Wait, what are you doing? I'm gonna give our guy a scare. What? Why? Please don't. This might be our only shot to find out who he is. He needs to know you're not someone they can fuck with. Marlon stepped out of the car. He heard Carrie protesting as he slammed the door shut. He stalked toward the SUV. He was going for that unflappable badass with a machete thing, but he was scared shitless. The rain had picked up again. He could barely see a thing as he approached the vehicle. Marlon made his best tough guy sneer as he held the machete in front of him. He wrapped the knife handle against the driver's side window. No response. He pressed his face to the glass. Empty. What the hell? Where could he have... Something grabbed his shoulder and hurled him backward. A sharp pain shot through the back of his skull. His vision blurred momentarily. He got his bearings. He'd been thrown across the street and hit his head on the curb. He looked up at the SUV. It was blocked by a massive warehouse at least two feet taller than the Olivia gator. The tattered remains of a red shirt were draped around its body. Its scaly skin glistened in the rain. The creature roared at him. Marlin felt around on the ground for the machete. Shit. He spotted it gleaming in the road underneath the wear gator Look, man, Marlin said, holding up his hand. I think there's been some kind of misunderstanding. Why don't you turn yourself back into whoever you really are, and we can talk this out. The beast snorted. <laughs> All right, Marlin said, climbing to his feet. Let's get this over with. The were-gator stepped toward him, then stopped. The golf jerked across the street. The screech of tires echoed through the neighborhood as the gulf spun to face them. Holy shit, Marlin exclaimed. <laughs> Carrie threw the brights on. The blinded Were-Gator raised its taloned hands to shield its eyes. Marlin hoped Carrie was thinking the same thing he was. She gunned the engine, and the golf launched forward. The Were-Gator dove for the sidewalk, but it wasn't quick enough. The beast screeched as the golf ran over its tail. Carrie slammed on the brakes, stopping thirty feet down the road. Marlin made a run for it. The Were-Gator hobbled after him, dragging its wounded tail. Marlin reached the passenger door and scrambled in. Carrie jammed on the gas. The golf blasted off down the street. She turned to him. Are you okay? I'm fine. A little wet is all. This fucking rain. Marlin caught his breath and watched the wear gator shrinking in the rear view. See, I told you we'd lose him.
0: So one of the things I really love about Low Life is, and this is the culmination of the work of the writers and the voice actors and the production, is how great the cast of characters are, but also how sort of weirdly realistic they are. And I think we really see that with Frank here. Um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of struggle happening with him with Alzheimer's, of course. But then uh, when she mentions the were-gators and he freaks out about the gator soldiers, yet again, we have yet another episode where the level of crazy just keeps Ratcheting up. I mean, it's amazing. So please do stick around to hear Kaylin's awesome guitar work in the closing theme, and I will see you back for episode five of Low Life for the next installment in Brad and Carrie's crazy Florida swamp adventure. I'm Neil Hellegroes with Adrenaline, and I will see you then.
1: You're listening to Adrenaline Low Life, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away.
4: The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Low Life is created and written by Steve Marcarelli and Billy Lawler. Produced by Marco Palmieri. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Audio produced by Amanda Rose Smith. Performed by Nick Sullivan and Eleanor Cottle. Sound design and editing by Kaylin West. Theme music by Amanda Rose Smith with guitar by Kaylin West. Cover art by Marco Cousins. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Adrenaline is produced by Mary Asadolahi and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Ladshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Julian Yap, and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Neil Helligers. Audio editing by Angela Yee. Original theme by Marcus Begala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Adrenaline by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.